Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello, my name's Alex. Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast from UEA. So here we are a month later and still in lockdown. And like you, we've been getting used to new ways of working. And this month we will be bringing the podcast to you from our homes. So uh, bear with us with the technology. We'll do our best. Uh, But hopefully that means with the magic of the internet that I am joined by Lydia down in London. So are you there, Lydia? I am. I'm here, Alex. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm currently in my spare room with a makeshift podcast studio on my ironing board. Oh, nice. (laughs) uh, Obviously challenging times, so we're going to try and address some of the concerns that teachers and advisors might be having at the moment in this month's podcast. We're going to be joined by Richard Harvey, who is our Academic Director of Admissions at UEA. Um, But Lydia, first of all, I think you're going to just talk to us about some of the support we've got for students and teachers and advisors and parents in these times of lockdown and closed schools? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we're very aware that things are obviously slightly strange at the moment and we're trying to support UEA, both UEA applicants and potential UEA applicants, but also parents, teachers, advisors with sort of virtual online talks. So we've been running a series of webinars and they are continuing depending on how long this all goes on for. So we've got Topics on things like personal statements, um, how to choose a university course, student finance. We've also got applicant specific webinars around finance and accommodation, next steps, what they should be thinking about next. And also uh, webinars for parents as well, where they can ask um, sort of questions or talk about any concerns they've got. Um, We're also in the process of planning some teacher webinars uh, where we hope to cover things like how to write a good personal statement, referencing what you could advise your students to be doing at the moment. So sort of making the most of this time, whether that's researching university courses, looking at getting work experience virtually rather than physically, and then the sort of admissions side of things. So how things are looking at the moment, what's likely to happen kind of post COVID-19 and and those sorts of things. So lots and lots of webinars um, and our HE advisor team, we're also able to deliver any of those kind of sessions live virtually as well. So if there is something in particular you'd quite like your students to hear, we can deliver these to you from the comfort of our homes <laughs> through, so the, through the computer. A bespoke session for the school or the college. Yes, yeah, exactly. So And they, they can um, just email, if we've got a, a usual contact that a teacher liaises with, they can email that person as usual or just drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Exactly. That for you. So no need to register for the webinars. You can just go online to uea.ac.uk forward slash study forward slash webinars um, they're all listed out there and I think we've got some taste electors on there as well oh yeah sorry I forgot to mention those I knew I'd miss something off the list but um, yeah we have subject tasters as well so we've got some from um, our economics sort of department languages 
philosophy. There's also some sports ones on there as well. Um, but some really interesting topics that, yeah, your students will hopefully find interesting and be something to get them thinking about what course they, they might like to apply for. Um, something also perhaps to mention in their personal statement. Brilliant. And we are adding to these um, webinars and taste lectures all the time. So if there is something you would like to see that isn't included there, please do drop us a line um, and we will do our best to help. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. So we're joined today by Professor Richard Harvey. So as Alex mentioned earlier, he is our Academic Director of Admissions, um, also on the UCAS Council. So hopefully a great person to give us a bit of reassurance and insight into students' applications, the new assessment arrangements, what students could be doing at the moment, and a bit of a discussion around, I guess, just the current situation from an admissions point of view. I'm sure there's lots of worry and a bit of concern yeah. perhaps around yeah. students um, yeah it's so, a bit busy times <laughs> definitely so yeah it'd be good just to chat over a, a couple of different things and some sort of common questions we seem to be getting from teachers at the moment so um, I think a, a big one Richard is around students missing grades and whether there will be some flexibility with results and yeah any thoughts you have on that or any sort of reassurance you could give our teachers yeah. Yeah, there have to be flexibility, won't there? I mean, we've we've done a good old look at the proposed um, assessment strategy from the exam boards, and it doesn't look too bad. Um, but you know, it, it's highly likely that uh, universities will have to be as flexible as they possibly can. Uh, I should say this is not unusual for us. You know, I mean. Um, I remember a few years ago, there was a case in, I think it was the Isle of Wight, where um, an examiner had forgotten to turn up. So I think it was oh, a really? music, music exam or drama exam or something, you know. So so the students were all hanging around and um, there was no no examiner. So they had to make up the grade and had to make up the grade. Well, you know, I mean, this happens all the time. So uh, and there are, we admit students from around what 110 countries in the world or something well a lot of those countries are affected by war or famine or something so we're quite used to this i know it's a big shock to uh, applicants and indeed you know um, school teachers around the country but we're not really phased by it at all um, we're expecting the new system to work quite well and we're expecting to be flexible when we can be i think that's Good, good for teachers to know so they can pass on to their students. And obviously with um, things like clearing as well, there's always questions about will that still happen? And I, I assume that the answer to that is yes, we're still going to plough on with the clearing plans. Defo, yeah, yeah. You and I will be on the phones. Um, of course. Help, helping people in the normal way. Now, from our perspective, it's going to be pretty tricky uh, because we we might be out of lockdown by then, but we might not be. In which case, yeah. you and I will be working from home again. And uh, Alex Delaney, our head of admissions, is exploring all sorts of fancy IT systems that use Teams and various other things to allow us to run the calls from from around the uh, well, from around the UK, where people live. Uh, mm -hmm. And that will be operationally quite challenging for us. But I don't think applicants will notice any difference at all. 
No, um, definitely for not. For them, it will be same time scale, same decisions. Uh, everything should work as it normally uh, does work. Yeah, and definitely still, as as there have been in previous years, some students have got some very good competitive places through clearing, haven't they? So it's yeah, still they have. Be I mean, an option. Yeah, um, and UEA is one of these lucky places. You know, we've got what is it, three thousand seven hundred and fifty rooms on site. So a lot of, when you look at capacity limits in a lot of British universities, they're essentially driven by accommodation. You know, if you don't mm. have much of it, so Oxford and Cambridge are classics, aren't they? You know, they've got so little accommodation on site. Well, we do have a lot of flex, and we all always had it. And our current vice chancellor is keen for us to have more. So we don't like to turn people away. Um, and we've been famous for that over the years, and you can see that in our statistics. I mean, one of the interesting features of UEA is how its uh, student mix is much more representative of the population as a whole. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we, we have people from very wealthy backgrounds and we have people from very impoverished backgrounds. And when you look at the demography of the UEA population, it pretty much matches the uh, UK. That is not true of a lot of other British universities, and that's a result of them being having to be having these capacity limits. So I'm expecting yeah. us to be flexible, I'm expecting us to be open, and our motto is as far as possible, it's business as usual. And do you think with these sort of new assessment arrangements, obviously, with everything going on, do you, do you think in a way actually it might help applicants to some extent? I think the, the proposed assessment methods are quite applicant friendly, don't you? I mean, they, they yeah. um, there are some issues. I mean, let's just talk through them. So the, the, the proposed method has these sort of three components to it, doesn't it? The first one is essentially quite a lot of input from your own teachers. Mm-hmm. That is likely to be in favour of applicants. Teachers traditionally overpredict uh, students' grades for very good reasons. You know, they're, they're the biggest fans of the students, of course. Um, yeah. So they're likely to be positive on their assessment. Then there's a ranking within the school, and then there's a ranking of the rankings, and then there's some magic that the exam board does to make sure that all of the uh, we have the same sort of curve of grades. I can't really see anything there that's very negative for applicants. There are two sorts of applicants who are... Um, might be problems, and let's just talk about them briefly. There's there's one group of people, increasingly small, who really do very badly right up to the last moment in their A-levels. That used to be a big group because A-levels used to be based entirely on big exams right at the end. That isn't so true anymore. So anyone who does behave like that, well, they're probably not going to be a top student because of the way the you know the continuous assessment works in, in modern exams. Mm. So what I mean is the the injustice that will be done to people like that is, is less than it could have been in the past. So that's a, an issue. Uh, we don't think it's very significant because the teacher input is so important. And surely if students have got predicted grades from the teacher, they know pretty much what they're expecting. So... That's one group. There's another group of private candidates. So these are people who don't get entered by their school, but might be home educated, but or they might, for various reasons, might have entered an exam privately. They're more difficult to deal with um, because they don't have the teacher input. 
So yeah. we know about them. Um, we've already been through all of our private applicants and uh, we, we will communicate with them uh, and we will just have to be extra flexible uh, with them if we need to be. So yeah, of course. We have scoured through the pool of applicants we've got, we are ready for it, and we have contingency in place for things that we think might happen. You shouldn't be sitting there in a flap about your grades. No, no, no. no good to know. Hopefully, yeah, teachers and advisors can pass that reassurance on from us. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. I think there's quite a lot of teachers that have been getting in touch with us and saying what can we encourage our year 13s or second year college students who maybe have sort of sat back and relaxed a little bit now because they sort of know they're they're done for the year but what could they almost be doing now before starting uh, this year if you've got any advice of how to kind of keep their brains engaged with their subject or anything they could be doing yeah there's lots of things and um there are sort of two maybe two or three streams to this uh, by which i mean there are sort of maybe three tactics that i think are worth thinking about there's the one that springs to mind in the minds of teachers and applicants and I don't want to dismiss that, but it's a bit obvious in the sense that, you know, if you're an ancient historian, then mm-hmm. it's good to keep reading. Um, I'm a professor at um, Gresham College, for example, which is one of the world's oldest publication body, uh, uh, public education bodies. And we have some pretty impressive one hour lectures on there in pretty much every topic that you could want. Uh, tune into one of those once a week and you'll be keeping your mind active. I mean, certainly preparing them keeps my mind active. So that's <laughs> one that's one area, and that's the subject-specific area. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think there are two other areas I think I would prioritise a bit higher. And the second one is skills, getting skills that are useful to you. So if you can be good on the skills part of the course, like... Do you know how to take notes? Do you know how to marshal an oral argument in a seminar? Do you know how to summarise things? Do you know how to write an essay quickly? You know, those sorts of things are important. And often you find that kids who've been to very sort of glossy uh, private schools are very good at those things. Um, so I wasn't one of those kids, you know, so I, I, I went to a rather... Um, undistinguished state school and um, I I had to learn pretty quickly those skills so there's a great Mm. MOOC that runs uh, the UEA put together um, on the future learn platform Um, Harriet Jones was behind it I think who's one of our uh, professors at UEA Um, and it essentially takes you through some of those skills you know it's it's great you know you can work through it in a few weeks at the end of it you'll you'll feel reassured that you have some of the skills necessary to be a good student. Handling data, I think, is one of the interesting things. And it's easy to be blase about it. Well, of course I know how to handle data. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Well, so when the professor asks you, how do you know those two data points are significantly different then, do you have an answer? Because the course will explain to you how what an error bar is and how you can use them and how people commonly interpret them would be useful for some journalists in the current crisis, actually, wouldn't it? They're clearly <laughs> not very good with data, a lot of them. Yeah, so that's, that's a, sorry, I'm going on here, but let me... That's no, the second, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's the second thing, right? 
And then the third thing is just to be intellectual about stuff, right? So um, tonight we have a round of quizzes and um, we've made uh, the ladies put it together. We've actually made her two sons, both of whom are students, uh, put the quiz together. Well, let me tell you, if you're a professor, you know, you might think right, you might think sitting exams is hard, setting them is much more difficult. So try and do something that's a bit intellectual. So set a quiz, learn a new skill. It's good to keep mentally fit. So that's the third thing. I did a geography degree and actually it, it wasn't the, the content of the course that I found more challenging. It was learning how to reference and taking notes and lectures and all those things yeah. actually that I found initially much more challenging. So yeah, I, yeah, mean, I ha- definitely would recommend geogra- the MOOC. Ge- well, geographers are interesting people anyway because they're generalists, aren't they? You, I mean, frankly, if you turn up to a geography lecture, you've got no idea what skills you're going to have to need to tackle yeah. <laughs> it because it could be anything from the most arcane social science to pretty hardcore maths. You know, it's a really broad subject. So people who do geography sort of thrive on having those general skills and they're, they're yeah. obviously rather liked by employers because they sort of spring into employment as sort of know-it-alls. They can do everything, you know. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you well, that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it is a compliment. I mean, it's a, well, it's a, it's a bit of a mystery. I mean, it's a bit like historians. You know, historians are very good at speaking usually and marshalling the argument because there's a strong culture in the subject of being able to do that all those skills are really important I think that ties into the the other bit I was going to mention around year 12s because obviously they are now maybe starting to worry slightly because their predicted grades are now perhaps based on less data there's maybe a bit more worry around that and obviously there's concern about their work experience and what they are planning to do to go to uni before kind of applying to university through UCAS and things changing but I think yeah I don't know if you'd agree Richard but some reassurance that obviously if we're we would have usually required work experience but students can't get it we're going to have to be more flexible aren't we around uh, around their applications. Work experience is an interesting one and there are a few courses that really strongly value work experience aren't they I mean particularly physiotherapy, occupational therapy, and some of the Mm. allied health professions, social work, and so on. Um, So what do you do if you can't get work experience? Well, obviously, we'll just have to do without it. Um, And the argument you've got is a really strong one, which is, dear admissions tutor, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a bit of a... It's a bit busy in the NHS at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) um, You know, um, I simply can't get the work experience. And very often, the drive for work experience is coming from the NHS. You know, it's the NHS saying to us, we think you should really be taking people work experience. If they can't provide the work experience that they need, well, you know, (laughs) it would be silly to not accept people in those circumstances. However, there is a very interesting situation that might arise, and I'm speculating now, I can foresee a situation where lockdown gets released differently in different parts of the country. Um, So, for example, in Norfolk, where we are, there are very low incidences of of COVID. You know, it's a very safe part of the country. And probably our lockdown should have started three weeks after the London lockdown. You know, the whole Mm. country went into lockdown really to protect London, didn't it? 
you could imagine a situation where different parts of the country had very different um, work experience situations. And indeed, I was speaking to a teacher who was based in a rather busy part of the health service who said this to me rather anxiously. And my response is, well, we're not, we're not going to set a policy that disadvantages one part of the country compared to another. The critical question you often ask as admissions is you say, well, what could this candidate have done? And have they done that? That's the critical question. Not what have they done, but what could they have done? So yeah. we, we use that principle all the time, particularly with people who are from impoverished circumstances or in difficult parts of the country or in bad schools. You say, well, what could they have achieved given the situation they're in? Because that's often a better guide for their success at university. And that's what drives really admissions. Are they going to be successful at university? I think if there are year 12 or first year college students, uh, I don't know, as an example for medicine or health science, and they are what they want to do something extra, there's there are things that, that you can be doing if they've if they've got a bit of time. I know that there's they've released something through the the Royal College of General Practitioners, they've released something called Observe GP, where students can actually watch free interactive videos and they get an insight into actually what the role of a GP is. There's various medical podcasts, so as Richard said, reading oh, around the that's subject. That's brilliant. I, I didn't know about the, um, the GP yeah, thing. really interesting. And as long as you're at 16 or, or over, so perfect for anyone hoping to apply for a medical or, or even just a sort of health science degree um, it's really worth looking at that and I think there's workbooks that come with it so you can kind of record your what you've learned or anything interesting you've seen um, TED talks as well there's t subject tasters that, that universities are running we've had a Q&A with some of our current med students which has been running every other week so there's definitely still things that hopefully students feel they can do, that they'd be able to talk about on their on their personal statement. But I think, as we said, please don't think that just because you couldn't get that actual physical piece of work experience that we're suddenly going to cut you off the list. Because obviously the situation we're in at the moment is, yeah, very unusual, <laughs> to say the least. But you yeah, know, that's been really, really, really helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. Enjoy the rest of your day and your planning for the, the clearing from home. <laughs> Thank you. Lydia, yeah, it's great fun. I, I love um, I love doing these things. And uh, I suppose a final message to people is um, you can actually ask us. So um, if you email admissions at UEA or any of our HE advisors, we we love these questions. Actually, we live for them. So um, there's no problem just asking us a question. We'll 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 take it in our stride and give you the answer as best we can. Exactly. Thank you very much. Bye, Richard. Thank you. Bye. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Massive thanks to Lydia and to Richard for joining us. It's obviously lots going on at the moment and it's changing all the time. So please do get in touch if there's anything we can do. Otherwise, take care and we'll see you next month. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion, or ask us a question, drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.
massive thanks to Lydia and to Richard for joining us. Lots obviously going on at the moment and changing all the time. So please do get in touch if there's anything we can do. Take care and we'll see you next month.